Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're to the book of Zechariah, almost the very last, second to last book in the Old Testament. 11 out of 12 of the 12 minor prophets, shorter prophets, guys you probably don't know much about, that we went through this summer, part of the Bible. And Zechariah is not who you might think he is. Zechariah, this guy, the Old Testament guy, is not John the Baptist's father, is not Zechariah and Elizabeth, not the one who uh, can't speak because he didn't trust God about having a baby. That's a different guy with the same name, just like today, back then, a lot of people had the same name. This is the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. So some of you are thinking, well, that's all I knew about him, so now I don't know anything about the Zechariah. Trust me, I, of all of the 12, I will admit, this one is probably the one I knew the least about at the start of it all. Zechariah lived at the same time as Haggai, so similar to what we talked about last week. So where are God's people? We've come through a lot of their history from David, 1000 BC, all the way through the, the people are divided, and then in 586, so hundreds of years later, finally exiled to Babylon as God promised for not trusting, not obeying, and so that's the temple burning, Babylonians come and, and destroy Jerusalem, but, but then 70 years later, they're allowed to return, and they're trying to rebuild, rebuild their lives, rebuild the temple, rebuild Jerusalem, so that's what we talked about with Haggai last week, and Zechariah does more of the same, but he has a different task from God, or a different word from God. So this is a challenging one, so I'm going to read some of it, and then we'll uh, get into it. What you saw was chapter 1 out of 14 chapters, and it starts this way. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, king of Persia, the one who let him go back, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Edo, saying, the Lord was very angry at your fathers. Therefore say to my people now, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, and I will return to you. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out. So, here's the good news, they repented. The post after the exile, those people, when, when God's prophets finally say, repent, they do. So this is good, even though it's short-lived at times, it's good. They say yes, and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so has he dealt with us. So they're saying we will follow God. And then verse 7 the word of the Lord, this is where it changes to something else. That's kind of the beginning of the story. Now it changes to something else. The word of the Lord came to prophet Zechariah saying, now fasten your seatbelts, I saw in the night, so a dream, and behold, a man riding on a red horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red sorrel and white horses. Okay, things just got weird, Right? And this is the most normal part. It gets even weirder. There's 14 chapters of mostly weird. This is a tough book, and this is the first of eight visions. Plus, there's a little bonus vision after that, too. But eight visions, the first of eight that God gives Zechariah. So we're only reading the first one, and the others get even weirder. Like Book of Revelation weird, strange imagery. And there's a reason. Zechariah has weird dreams because you have weird dreams, don't you? That's how they work, right? Dreams are weird sometimes, but yet these ones are from God, and God has a purpose for them. You see, there's a few places in the Bible where God gives these strange visions and dreams, and they get called apocalyptic, like the book of Revelation, because they're strange, and, and it seems like 
People get scared about end of the world. There's just strange images of horses and fire. And, and later on in the book, people with wings and, and women in a basket and flying scrolls and all this stuff. God has a very important reason for doing this. And that's what we're going to get to. But first I want to read the rest of that first vision. That's a bit of an artist rendering of that. It says, then I said, what are these? Zechariah says as he's having the, the dream, the vision, what are these, Lord? And the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, these are whom the Lord, the horses, whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, we have patrolled the earth and behold, all the earth remains at rest. What God is saying there is God has sent in the image of these horses. God wants to send out his mercy and justice throughout the world. And when God does that, the world will be at rest. When God's will comes to the world, it will be at rest. So this is a vision of that. Then the angel of the Lord says, Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against which you have been angry for these 70 years? And the Lord answered, gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel talked with me, said, cry out, thus says the Lord, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, and I am angry with the nations that are at ease, for while I was angry but a little, they further. So as God punished his people, he said, These, the other nations came on and made it worse. Therefore, the Lord says, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy, and my house shall be built in it. Cry out again, says the Lord, my cities again will overflow with prosperity, and the Lord again will comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. So God is saying his, his house, his temple will be rebuilt, despite what you see with your eyes, and God will again Make his cities, his people, overflow with prosperity, even though you might not see it right now. This has everything to do with this book, Your Imagination. You see, your imagination is powerful. That's what we're going to talk about today, is the power of the imagination. Do you know how powerful it is? God's visions here have to do with what, how God wants to shape your imagination. So let me explain what's going on here. Uh, and there's another art, more modern artist rendering, I kind of like that one, of this vision of, of Zechariah. Let me explain what's going on for God's people. And I think you'll see yourself in it. They have endured the exile. Their homes got burned. Their capital city got destroyed. Their, their temple burned. They lost everything. And many of them have been forced on this 400-mile march to a foreign land to have their noses rubbed in their second-class status. And now, 70 years later, they get to return, so some have died, and it's their children, but some of the really old ones are still, they remember, and they're excited, but everything is in ruins. It's like if you've seen pictures, and some of you remember, of cities in Europe after World War II, how long does it take to rebuild a city that has been carpet bombed? A long time. And that's what happened to God's people it got long. They lost hope and they looked around and all they could see was negative. You see, God wants to shape your imagination. So what they saw was their temple. They looked at their temple and that's what they saw. Looked bad. And some of them who remember said, I remember how beautiful this was and it'll never be the same. Back in my day, this was beautiful and it will never again be this nice. 
And they couldn't imagine a future that was good. When they thought about the future, they, all they would imagine was things getting worse, not better. But God wanted to change all that. God needed to give them a new imagination. We often leave the realm of imagination to children, don't we? Or uh, fantasy books or movies that you like. And kids are great at it. Kids are great at playing house or playing superheroes and, and bad guys. Tells you how, what age my kids are. You're either a good guy or a bad guy. Nothing in between. Or building forts. Or do you, but do you know how powerful your imagination is? And when your imagination gets mixed with something, even more powerful things happen. So when you mix your fear or your fears with your imagination, bad things happen, don't they? That's what happened to God's people. So there's this very simple formula. I read it in a book a few years ago, and then I couldn't find the book on my shelf this week. But you'll see it. What happens when you add your fear to your imagination? What happens? I'll tell you a story. I knew someone briefly years ago, whose husband died young. This couple, their wedded bliss lasted, sadly, not even a few years. They were only married a short time in their 20s, and then one day she'd called him a few times during the day, but he didn't answer. She thought, oh, it's a little odd, but must have been busy, you know, that, that's okay, but then found out the terrible news later. The reason he didn't answer his phone is because he had been killed in a car accident that day. Well, fast forward many years later, she got remarried, but now she carries something in her mind. When she calls her husband and he isn't able to answer in that moment, you can imagine what might go through her mind. Do you ever have that? What happens when you add your fear to your imagination? Have you stayed up late worrying about your child who isn't home yet? And you fear their safety, and, you, and your imagination runs wild, right? You fear the worst. Or maybe it's about your own future. You can't breathe like you used to, or you can't walk like you used to. Your legs don't carry you around like they used to, and you start to imagine what kind of difficulty you might suffer, and your fear and your imagination get put together, and it's powerful, and it's terrible, and where does it end up leading you? Not good, right? It actually leads you to despair. That's it. If you let your fears run and you're, with your imagination put those together, that's a big mess, and you end up despairing. You think, oh man, nothing good is going to happen. That's how powerful your imagination is. It has the power to implant terrible images about your future on your mind. And that's where God's people are. They were despairing. Their imagination got combined with their fears, and they started to wonder, God, are you really there? Do, do you really care about us? They started to wonder if God really loved them. They started to wonder if God actually would come to save them and, and send a Messiah and restore them and give them a better future. They didn't know and they didn't they think it wasn't going to come true. They were despairing. Have you been there? Has your imagination run wild with your fears and you wonder if God really does care about your life? Or if you really wonder if God really does forgive your darkest sins. Or you wonder if God really does have a better future for you or not. Fear plus your imagination can lead you straight to despair. But here's the thing. If you just change one thing about this, one, cha one change in this equation, everything is different. 
you get a completely different result. It's kind of like computer coding about which I know mm, next to nothing, so that's all I'll say. But I know that if you change one simple input on your code, your output can be very different. So in here, your imagination stays, God gave you that, but instead of you, your fear, what if your faith got combined with your imagination? Now, I'm not suggesting that you just have these cheap platitudes that you tell yourself, like, oh, just be positive and think better and be better. And No, I'm not talking about that. I don't think that works. I'm talking about Holy Spirit-given faith in the living God who always does what He says He will do, and He always keeps His promises faith. What about your faith? This is what God is telling his people through Zechariah and through these weird visions. He's saying, don't let your fears run wild with your imagination. Let your faith run wild with your imagination. This is what Zechariah's visions do. Zechariah's visions connect your faith in the living God with the imagination God gave you. So all these weird visions, the pictures, the red horses, the Later on, if you read it, all people with bird wings, a woman in a basket, and flying scrolls. Yes, they're weird, but they're God saying, your future will be better than your past. It's God telling his people, I am your God. I am the God of creation of heaven and earth. I alone forgive all your sin. I alone have come to save you. I alone will be with you on your darkest day, and I will never leave you. Trust me. So God is telling him, don't add your fear to your imagination. Add your faith to your imagination. Do you know what happens when you do that? So if fear plus imagination will put you on the road to despair, faith, what do you think faith does? Faith plus your imagination leads you where? It leads you to hope. That's way better, isn't it? Faith plus imagination leads to hope. Can you imagine your future better than your past? Now, for some of you, that's easier because you may have a lot of your future ahead of you. But for others of you today, you might be well into your second half of life and you're not sure how many years you have left and you can't do the things you used to. Can you still imagine your future better than your past? You see, Zechariah's visions make such bold promises because in God it's true. Even if you don't get to see it with your eyes or in your lifetime, it will come true. You see, God was getting ready to send his son, Messiah Jesus, even though he was still hundreds, 500 plus years away. Zechariah prophesied later on in his book that Jesus would ride as Messiah on a donkey Palm Sunday, as a peaceful king, not on a war horse to conquer. And it was Zechariah who also prophesied that the Messiah would come as a shepherd, but a shepherd who would be rejected by his own sheep. So yes, God would rebuild his temple, and it would be way better than it was before, but when God rebuilds his temple in great glory, it looks like Jesus. It looks like God in the flesh, God with us, God who came and tabernacled among us, dwelt among us, God who has come to save you on his own dollar on the cross. And if Jesus has died and rose for you, your future is better than your past, no matter how good your past was. 
if Jesus bled and died to forgive you and buy you back, then yes, your future is bright, even if today is dark. And if Jesus is risen, and I believe he is risen, your future is better than your past, even if you have to wait for Jesus to return until you see it. Zechariah, in three words, wants to tell us this. Imagine God's future. Can you? Can you imagine God's future for God's church, this church, for His church worldwide, and for your life? Imagine God's future. You see, when we let our fear go with our imagination and then we look at the church, we can see churches shrinking and closing. And you see empty cathedrals in Europe and people walking away from the church here in America. And you see your own children and grandchildren who grew up in the faith walk away. But can you imagine God's future? Jesus is risen, and he has promised to return one day and make everything perfect in this world, and that means this church and the church will flourish like never before. So can you imagine the people in your life that don't know Jesus, can you imagine them singing his praises at the top of their voice? Or can you imagine your crusty neighbor wanting to stand next to you at, at church and worship God? Or can you imagine your long-lost child or grandchild studying the Scriptures and living for Jesus? Can you imagine that in faith? If you look around this morning, and you look around for my family this morning, you're not going to find them. Amy and our three kids drove over to her parents on the other side of the state yesterday to be there this morning. Why? We got a phone call a few weeks ago, and the gist of it is this. Today, Amy's dad is getting baptized. He's 70, and this morning he will be buried and raised with Christ through baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And do you know how long Amy has been praying for this day? Faith plus imagination leads you to hope, and God wants you to have hope. Jesus died for you. He has risen for you. He is reigning over you. He is present with you, and he is returning for you to make the world perfect again. Can you imagine God's future? I love how Ephesians 3 puts it. Paul says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.